0: Hey guys, Toolman Tim here, welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. Always got to look at the date, it's February 20th, 2022, and this is episode 73 of the workshop podcast, and tonight I've got a guy that I've known for a while, we've had some really good conversations, Uh, John Dowie from Dowie Farms is going to, actually he's already here, we'll bring him in in a minute, he's going to talk about uh, all things microgreens, something that I know Literally jack shit about. So that's going to be a good thing because I want to learn. But of course, before we do, let's knock out a little bit of housekeeping. Get our announcements out of the way. Telegram, if you guys aren't over there, uh, the group is growing like crazy. It seems to be the. It's going to be the official chat room of the workshop. We got just just over fifty people right now. So drop over. Links in the description below. Also Rumble, if you guys are listening to this. And you're a Rumble user, I launched a channel a couple of weeks ago. That's growing really quick. If you don't mind, hit that, subscribe, and support us there. Uh, And another thing, if you guys have either, you know, if if you're an expert on a topic or you have a topic you want to share with a workshop, or if you know somebody who um, you would love to get on here, just uh, drop by toolmantim.co, fill out the guest form, or you can always email me at therealtimcook at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Always looking for good guests. We're booked out pretty much until the end of April at this point. So it's kind of kind of fun, exciting, but always looking to get good people in. And uh, last thing, I've been spending the last couple of days adding a whole bunch of new products to the shop over on uh, toolmantim.shop. Right now we've added about 20 categories and about 50 products with about another 60 products to go. So when you get a chance, run by, check it out. Again, that's how uh, a big part of how we support everything here. If you start your shopping over there, anything you buy helps support the content that I create. So anyway, guys, thank you. And let's bring on Mr. John Dowie, a uh, New York Giants fan, right? No. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was so friggin' mean. So yeah. That
1: team's not even in New York.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Ain't that the truth? Jersey sucks, man. So so who is John Dowie, man? Uh, I know you a little bit, but tell everybody else who you are.
1: Yeah, man, I'm. A, whew, where do I go? Well, I don't even know where to start with that. Right? Who am I? I don't. know. It's a great question. I didn't know this is a philosophy uh, podcast. <laughs> um, I'm a microgreens farmer and serial entrepreneur. I guess I. I don't know if that's a too like catchy, annoying, trendy term, but I guess that's probably a good way to describe me. Um, I live in New Hampshire. I'm uh, from upstate New York, as we kind of uh, just touched on there a little bit a long time ago. Though I've been in New Hampshire, New England, longer than uh i've been than i was in new york because i i got right out of there when i was 18 um i have a past life of uh being a restaurant person for about 25 maybe years i mean i'm technically kind of still a restaurant employee i mean last night i was at the bar where i used to work at and i i bounced a guy so (laughs) technically a shift maybe so (laughs) so uh that's it. I'm, uh, I'm a father now, which is weird for me to say. Congrats, man. Two, and I'm 43, and I never thought that would be something I would say. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have a, a little boy now. He's eight months old on uh, Friday, like two days ago. So, yeah, I'm just out here swinging, trying to get it done.
0: Nice. What, what's your boy's name?
1: Alexander James. Spelled that is exactly, a name. Spelled exactly how it
0: sounds. You mean there's no, like – y or q y. or a, yeah. an apostrophe anything <laughs> like that, that in there
1: soon we'll be on to some symbols it'll be like oh yeah yeah it'll yeah. be the, the
0: artist formerly known as alexander yeah. you know Pr-
1: prince will have been ahead of the curve
0: <laughs> so let's slide back a little bit you kind of brushed over uh your restaurateur business um you had kind of a, a fun i don't know i can't remember have you told me how long you worked there previous but where was one of your uh, previous place of employments that uh, some people might think is interesting
1: Yeah. I, um, well, I started when I was 15 washing dishes. It's a place that's defunct now, um, in upstate New York. And then when I moved to, uh, Boston, you know, I kicked around and then, uh, I ended up at the ground round where I actually met my wife. So some people may remember peanuts on the floor and looney tunes or whatever on the TVs and the clown bingo, the clown, which when I uh, would go for my job reviews, actually there was a section for bingo, the clown, which I always found was amusing. (laughs) Um, and then, then I went over to Applebee's for a while as a manager. I was a corporate trainer with the ground round, so I opened restaurants with them and traveled and trained people. And uh yeah, then Applebee's um until IHOP bought them and ruined it and made it a terrible place to work, and then I got out of there. And uh then uh, I ended up at Hooters, which is probably what we're, uh, what you were referring to.
0: <laughs> so, I've never known somebody who managed or worked at a Hooters yeah. before. So. I was
1: actually, for, for a stretch, I was the only general manager of a Hooters in New England. Or, well, Massachusetts. It if, if, depends on what you count con- uh, Connecticut as. I don't count it as part of the U.S., but I think they still count it as uh, New England. But, um, yeah, I was uh, with them from 2008. So I spent... Everybody was freaking out in 2008. I made more money than I ever made. Yeah, Um, and it was, uh, it was. You know, I went in as just an assistant manager there, a kitchen manager, which was most of my experience. And um, by 2010, I was the GM there, and I did that till 2014 when uh, I was fired for not really doing anything. (laughs) So basically fired because my, my boss uh, was kind of a douchebag, you know, and, uh, we butted heads a little and I broke a sales company sales record for our entire franchise on a Saturday and the following Friday they fired me. So it was amusing too. But, um, yeah. So if you were at Hooters and Saugus that day and you had a, a Hooters girl that was crying, that was why. So it was fun though. It was a lot of fun. The company I worked for sucked. Um, just kind of scummy, you know, up at the higher ups. It wasn't the it was a, a franchise. So it wasn't the corporate Hooters, although I'm sure there's a lot of uh, scumminess there, too. But um, the uh, the people that I worked for were just like very unsavory. And, uh, you know, you had to act as a buffer between your staff and, and whatever was going on above you. And that was always a lot. And, um, you know, my uh, my assistant general manager at the time who took over for me, I ran into him um and he said so he's a venezuelan refugee right his parents were ex- him and his parents were extracted when chavez took over okay because oh, wow. his dad was like a senator or something i don't know if i'm supposed to say that on here and uh i'm not <laughs> worried they about might it. find him <laughs> no but like, mm. um Sorry. yeah he was extracted by the u.s and he was a political refugee anyway he described not long ago working for that guy that fired me as working for chavez so that says something but um but no, it was a real fun job. I, uh, a lot of hiring, you know, a lot of firing. Always interesting at Hooters, right? And uh, built that place up from I don't know. We were ninth busiest in the world at one point in time for wow. any restaurant. Yeah. So, and then that was great. It was a lot of fun, obviously. And um, that came to an end. And then I tried to go keep being a restaurant manager at other places, and uh, it was just awful. Like other places, the reason I was able to do it at Hooters for so long is because I had a good staff and it was fun. I went to the next place and I hated every second of it. And I was like, I just, I'll never forget sitting in a parking lot with, uh, oh, my, 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 uh, Amazon spy machine is now talking randomly. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I use it as a timer when I'm watering here at the grow room, but it's just talking about something. So, um, I, uh, where was I? Oh yeah. So it was just bad. So I remember sitting in a parking lot with my wife just being like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I gotta figure something else out. Then I dabbled in landscaping. Really? Yep. Uh, about a year or two. I did that. I did smoke detector install on my own. I, 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 that was when it's like, I got out of that. I, I knew in like 2000 probably right. that I didn't want to work for anybody. Right. Okay. And I, I remember just like it being in an apartment in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, (laughs) right, with my girlfriend who was just my roommate and (laughs) sitting there staring at the computer going, there's got to be some way for me to make money on this stupid thing and work for myself, but I don't know how to do anything. Like, that. I was a high school dropout. I didn't, like, know – I mean, I'm a smart guy, but, like, I don't, I think. But I don't have any of that kind of expertise. And I was just like, there's got to be a way for me to not work for anybody. And uh, it took until, you know, about 2014 to really, like, figure something – out kind of like I still didn't know what microgreens were in 2014 maybe because I when I did learn what microgreens were I went and I was doing a search on my computer for something and I found a book I had bought on microgreens years before so maybe I heard of them and bought a book and totally forgot (laughs) right but yeah so
0: yeah when I first when I first heard about microgreens I thought it was like you know mini joints or something like that you know I wasn't really sure but no but I, it's, I think it's funny. I don't know. I got to say, like, I think you and I are kind of in the same boat. Like, you know, mid-30s, Uh, w- like, when we hit our mid-30s was kind of yep. like when we got absolutely fed up with, you know, I did the management thing for a lot of years, and I just bloody hated it. Yep. Wanted to be an entrepreneur, applied to be an entrepreneur, and, well, to take an entrepreneur course, whatever the hell that is, back in right. when I was 18 or 19, right? And then decided to do something real practical and went and did, like, a comparative religions course. So, you know, yep. that was real good. It all makes sense. But, Yeah. Yeah. Right. It it all made sense at the time. And then, yeah, mid thirties. Right. So, so you did landscaping and then you decided, so how did you, yeah. where? So where did you kind of transition into being full-time entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I guess. So when I was a kid, I used to like to mow lawns and, and I would just work whatever, do do whatever I could, you know, when I was like 12 or maybe younger, even, I don't remember. And I worked a little bit on marinas and I worked a little bit, uh, you know, just like, I just go ask the neighbors, Hey, can I rake your lawn or whatever, you know? And, uh, I'd borrow my dad's tractor, which I now own nice so winning in life, but yeah. I would <laughs> so borrow my dad's old Aaron's GT 20, a fit, fantastic machine, by the way. And, cool. um, I'd go mow lawns for people like up the road. And I, you know, I'd make like 20 bucks. It's like 1993 or something. And or maybe earlier. And, uh, I loved that. I loved that. And I grew up in the country. Uh, my dad had three acres and we did, you know, we did gardening and we had ducks or uh, I had ducks and there was a lot of lawn to mow and a lot of yard work to do. And I always enjoyed that, especially, and you know, cause where you live, it's cold. Um, mm-hmm. That like that one day in the spring where you're like, Oh, it's spring. Like, it's Oh yeah. Like it. There's just something about that day and like getting out there and doing that initial, like just starting that work, you know? And I love that. That's like an addictive thing. So when I, got out, I was like, well, I got a nice, uh, push mower with a Honda motor that I bought and I got a Volkswagen Jetta. Yes, sir. <laughs> that shit in the trunk. Let's go. So I, um, I don't really, I man, it's funny. I don't remember how I started, like what the first thing that happened was it made me start doing it. Cause but it was like anything else I do. I got one thing like that came at me and I said, yes, yes cause you always say yes. And yes. then I just, it just, I started looking for more. And so I had a Dakota too. Like it was always broken and uh, still is still have it. And uh, so I was like, uh, I somehow in there, I, I got hooked up with this real estate agent who was doing house flips from the 2008 crash still. And he had all these apartment buildings. He was like an intermediary uh, real estate agent. Like, so Fannie Mae would want to unload a house um, to a real estate agent and then he would sell it to a bank and then they would sell. It was really an awful hmm. weird system. And uh, what are they? You know, the words, the initials are ROIs or something, or no, when you're uh basically getting a house prepped for sale, right? But it's oh,
0: yeah, and I can't anyway, yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: And um, he had huge like multi family apartment buildings that he had to sell, but he had to have a smoke detector, um, you know, inspection done with the towns and. He hated the guy that did it for him. <laughs> and, and he needed a guy to mow. And I had a like an ad on Craigslist, maybe. And he got a hold of me to mow a property that was like 30 miles from my house, as big, big lawn, but it was foreclosed. So hmm. it was a big house, big, nice house. And that was just his. He was gonna sell it. So I was mowing that all summer. And at some point he goes, Hey, can you do this like smoke detector inspection for me? And I was like, Yeah, whatever. I'll figure it out. So I kind of just took it and I went and I realized, holy crap, this is wicked lucrative. Like, because at the time you could charge the U.S. government, <laughs> yeah, five yeah. dollars per smoke detector that you installed. Um, you couldn't like go nuts and just pull them all out and put new ones in, but like if it legitimately needed it, you could put them in and make seventy-five bucks per right. And you know you can get bulk smoke detectors for, and even with like my ethics, I was buying bulk smoke detectors that were like good ones. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to just you know, you can get the hockey puck white ones yep. that are just the biggest piece of shit ever. They're like, you can get them for like two fifty a whack, Yeah, the, the fire inspector didn't like them. So I went and got a bulk price on like first alert, good smoke detectors, you know? And I think I was paying like eight to $12 a piece if I That's bought true. like 50 maybe or something, whatever it was, but I was blowing through them. And I looked at it as every one of them is 60 bucks to me or whatever, you know? So, and then I got CO detectors and those two. And then I would go into weird places in Lowell, Massachusetts, and I'd go in the basement (laughs) and the window would be broken and there'd be snow on the, on the cement and there'd be fresh footprints in the cement or on the snow. (laughs) I'm like, uh Oh, there's some, some meth heads living down here or something. (laughs) So, but, uh, I made a ton doing that. It was great. And then Fannie Mae ruined it because they decided to, uh, make a, a rule that, uh, any company doing that had to have X amount of W2 employees or whatever. And that immediately ruled me out of that. So I still did lawns for them. I still did like uh, where you'd like go in and just do the huge lawn cleanup and freshen it up, you know, that kind of thing. Then I was doing some weird scammy lawn mowing thing where uh, I, some company wanted people to mow lawns and you had to like, you'd go wherever they told you to go and you'd mow like an apartment lawn it would be like $12 they'd pay you <laughs> and you had to send them pictures with a ruler <laughs> like oh my them. god oh it was the worst but i was like i was so broke because mm-hmm. i had left i had i had i was an idiot i hadn't saved any of my money from when i was making way too much money right mm-hmm. and uh i just was doing whatever i could and it, but it was good it was a good experience cuz i say to this day it retaught me the value of a dollar literally a dollar right Yep. cuz i would be driving to a place where I, was, I knew I was going to make like $22 or something or 15. Right. And I would be like, oh, I really want a coffee, but if I stop and buy a coffee, I'm only going to make like $11 on this one. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Like I would, so I was like relearning how to be frugal at that point. Whereas I had been just blowing through cash when I was a restaurant manager, you know?
0: That's so, Yeah. Gee, those, I, <clears throat> A lot of those property management companies there, there are some scammy ones, you yeah. know, they pay peanuts, but if you do it in bulk, it works out pretty good. Like for one of them I do, but you'd never, oh my God, you'd never make it your only thing or you would be, Oh no, you know, yeah. and it's a take it or leave it thing with them too.
1: Yeah. If, yeah, if I could have got, you know, eight houses on a block. Or 10 or 12, and they like promised that, but they never came through. They were like, Oh, here's one in Seabrook, New Hampshire. Here's one in West Roxbury, Mass. And it's like that's 74 miles apart, and you're gonna pay me $15 for each one. That's not happening. I know I got a little diesel jetta, but come on, you know, <laughs> like so it that was bad. I only did that for maybe a couple of months. Then I started uh bartending again, so in a place in Boston, and it actually wasn't good money, but it was something else. You know, and I was still doing landscaping. I was actually like, I'd put the lawnmower in the car. I'd stop at two or three places on the way to get to the T station. And then I would mow a couple lawns. Then I would get on the subway. I'd go and bartend and like take a bird bath in the bathroom when I got there. And uh, awesome. then I'd sling drinks and then I'd get on the sub, the tea, whatever the subway. And I'd go back to, you know, the play, drive home. And uh, yeah, then, then it kind of, I got a, job bartending locally like in dairy londonderry here in new hampshire and uh at the stumble Inn, great name that
0: is awesome
1: yeah yeah yeah. and uh that was lucrative so then everything kind of changed and by so april 1st 2015 was the day i first went to a chef with microgreens so seven years yeah, I don't know the timeline uh from when I left. I mean, I was fired on January 19th, 2014, so whatever it was only what 5 months. Yeah, yeah. So or no, it was a year and 5 months. Sorry. Yeah, so there's a whole right. year of landscaping, and then a, you know, X months of uh I think I started in Boston bartending in like November that 2014 and then bartended here and there. Then the so then the microgreens thing was cuz of Spearco. That's all his yeah. fault.
0: A lot of things are. Geez, my handyman business is eighty-five yeah. percent his fault, you know, starting my content creation. Oh my yep. god, between him and Nicole, completely their fault. They're all they're yeah, what is it? They're uh, all complicit. Yes, oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, just changing the world one person at a time, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So what the hell are microgreens, John? Like I I mean I kind of know, but I really don't.
1: So the microgreens are uh almost any vegetable seed, and I say almost because there's some you can't do, uh, or herb seed and it's still almost um, grown till it's at its first two or first set of true leaves. Okay. So that, you know, every, any plant grows, it sprouts and it grows up however high it's going to grow. And then it gets those first two little leaves. Yeah, Technically that's a microgreen. That's when you cut it. Um, I grow some things a little farther than that because chefs like that. We still call them microgreens. I guess, theoretically, it's a baby green at that point, but you know, whatever. Um so, most microgreens take from about like, so the shortest growing crop would be sunflowers in the summer. <laughs> it's like six really? days. It's great. great. But when it gets hot out, like if you, I mean, if you turn the heat up in your room and want to pay a billion dollars for heat, you know, you can grow sunflowers in six days year round. <laughs> so, but uh, sunflowers, six days, radishes are really fast. Um, and then my longest crop I grow is probably red sorrel, and that could be about a month. Maybe hmm. a little bit more sometimes depends on the temperatures again. Um, it's weird how you start. Um, like I, the first time I grew red sorrel, I, it took me 40 days. And then I frankly have no idea why it only takes me 30 now. Like <laughs> it's very strange, but you, you get better at it. I can't, it's not a tangible better, but it's just, you apparently get better at <laughs> making things That's grow. Funny. So you, know, you kind of just learn little things here and there. Every little thing you do to it makes it better and it'll grow a little faster. Um, we grow, I don't know, 15 maybe different things right now. Anything from like red cabbage, broccoli, kohlrabi, um, and then cilantro is a huge crop for us. Um, what else am I growing? Red sorrel, green sorrel. There's like three, four different kinds of radishes, pea tendrils, sunflowers, borage is one that we grow. That's like a medicinal flower. Um, basils, different kinds of basils. It's probably our one of our top crops as well. And I think that's probably mostly it. Um there's about 25 different seeds we have, but we they don't all sell at once. They go through cycles. So, but anyway, might there's a lot of claims out there about how super nutritious microgreens are. I'm not willing to claim those things because i'm not a scientist and i haven't really read anything that really has convinced me you know there's a whole bunch of misinformation out there i hate to use that word these days but it is what it <laughs> is um about like how microgreens broccoli microgreens will cure cancer it's like well i guess anybody who eats broccoli then would never have cancer right it's just a baby broccoli plant <laughs> you know like and they do say four to forty times more nutritious um than the actual vegetable now they That's probably true, but also a little misleading because, you know, they're talking about the um, nutrient content in probably an equal amount of the full-size veg, right? Right. Compared to here's this little, you know, one-inch tall thing. I got my diabetes thing in my hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I'm going to have something in my hands all the time. So, uh, you know, um, it's probably true. And I'm sure there's a lot of like, um, you know, like I know there's 29% protein in a sunflower micrograin. That's wow! That's scientifically proven. That that's what makes it a great animal fodder. Okay, and the idea is like so. A lot of people know what fodder crops are for animals, right? Growing like wheatgrass and um, mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. It's the same idea. It's it's pretty close to being the exact same thing. Um, they're not sprouts. We don't use the S word here because sprouts are not microgreens, and there's an important reason when you're differentiating with health inspectors because sprouts are grown in like an anaerobic situation, and you're actually using the, um, you know, like the root and the Mm -hmm. seed head and all that, we're not doing that. We're cutting them, you know, harvesting them. So we're letting them get to a green harvesting and that the stuff that would be a sprout is going out the door, you know, like to the birds and whatever.
0: So So. you, so they, are they mostly garnishes or salad? Like what, what do they
1: Yeah. 85% probably is garnish. Um, now the nice part about, so you, chefs can buy a microgreen from a produce company and get a clamshell full of crap is what they'll get. Yeah. Um, because it's traveled however long it's traveled and it's not fresh and it's not grown well. Yeah it, tastes, yeah. it tastes like nothing. Even mm-hmm. if it's in good shape, it doesn't have the flavor our stuff has. So we do specialty crops so they can match flavors. So our cilantro, like if you don't, if you're one of those people that doesn't like cilantro, you probably can't even come in the room when we're harvesting cilantro. It's insane. It's like, wow super floral like crazy smell it's like punch you in the face cilantro taste right um and it's a lot of that is the same for a lot of microgreens when they're grown correctly and it has something to do with bricks levels and your soil uh nutrient content i'm a big believer in soil i know we're gonna i think we're gonna get into that yeah um just because i don't my thoughts about soil is there's no way you can recreate everything that's going on in soil with, you know, nutrient additives and hydroponic stuff. Um, I nothing against hydroponics. I do some of that myself, but I just think there's no real replacement for soil. Even if microgreens are only taking that nutrient for a week, you know, I see a difference in flavor and shelf life with stuff with my stuff compared to anything else that I see grown around here, whether it's a small grower or a big grower, you know? I think I got off on a tangent. I forgot what your question oh, that's
0: was. That's right. all right. You know what? Little mountain life there. They, they called you the mountain. I had that up. You're the microgreen king, but they said they learned a ton from you years back, man, started up a microgreen business, ran it well, actually turned a profit year one, but ended up shutting it down due to the timing, not being right yeah. for the family.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad I can inspire people sometimes. <laughs> See? I, uh, we have, I have a YouTube channel that I've kind of let go, I guess. I mean, I, I have a ton of video content that I should just sit down one day and edit it and put it up, right? And uh, I just like the time to do, you know, you're doing this, like the time yeah, yeah. to do it is massive, and it's like so. Then also do, you know, a hundred thousand dollars with the microgreens a year, and then have, you know, eighty ducks and have hundred quail and have 35 chickens and, you know, and have two, it's two locations and it's two delivery routes a week that are 300 miles a whack. And it's like, Oh yeah. And then I'm going to do some videos and put them up. <laughs> so, and I want to do it. I really like it, but the commitment is rough. And um, you know, I'm making excuses basically. I'll no,
0: whatever it's <laughs> no, but it's a slog. Like <laughs> seriously, it. it's nobody, yeah. nobody, I mean, light, until you do it, people don't know, Yeah, It's just, it's like, uh, what's that movie? You're a horror movie guy. No, no. Well, there was that movie. It follows. Uh, I think it was called. And the whole idea was just somebody slowly, some kind of like entity slowly following you everywhere you go. Right. Yeah. And that's like the deadline for the next video. It's always, you know, it's just there.
1: Like I, I probably should see a therapist because I'm so awful with deadlines. I just like every part of my soul resists them. Like. And that's bad. Like I, it, it is kind of a downfall of mine too, which was also an issue. But so, but to dig into her, his, her question, I don't know them. I'm first. not
0: sure either. It's okay. Um, yeah. Well,
1: sometimes I know there's names and people. Yeah, question um, them. They yeah. he sh- <laughs> wait, wait. Sorry, what are they? <laughs> what pronoun? So, uh, yeah.
0: what's your preferred pronoun, Little yeah, Mountain? Right?
1: So to get into that more, though, they're right about the timing not being right for families sometimes. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to take a leap here on what they're saying, but. It's a massive time investment, and I do a very uh, inconsistent show with a friend of mine that we're putting on my YouTube channel about I saw that. the reality of microgreens. Because I get super annoyed with this bullshit where they're like, "You can make twenty grand a week in your grandmother's apartment bathroom," you know, and it's like, "Get out of here with that!" It's a ton of work, and getting it. I don't always like consistently do two thousand a week in microgreens. Okay, like it's it's tough. It's like a just to get the two grand a week is a ton of work, and these people out there selling these classes with these like claims, I I hate it. It drives me nuts. Um, so it's a massive time investment, and it's every single day of your life, and you're not gonna go on vacation. I mean, I have birds and stuff too, so that makes it tough. But like, I could extra feed the birds, okay, Great. and get away for three or four days but no one's going to come here and water things and then i have some automated watering in place but no one's going to come here and miss stuff that's germinating and no one's going to come here and plant stuff to keep the rotation going right because a lot of microgreens growers where they fail is they don't have a consistent product and chefs only give a shit about a consistent product a lot of times right yeah they can get it from the produce company anytime so if you're not going to be consistent then you know, you can't really get away with it. If you want to do microgreens inconsistently, your model, your business model is home sales and farmers markets. And then oh, you can try to do be it. consistent part of the year when the farmers markets are there and you can take some time off. But if you're going to sell to restaurants, they want at least twice a week delivery. It's got to be consistently available every single week. You have to, that means you got to plant two, three days a week. You got to deliver two days a week. You got to harvest two, three days a week. You got to harvest when the stuff's ready anyway. You know, like some stuff can't sit on the shelf. It's a lot of time. It's me and my wife doing it, and that's it. And she's raising our child probably seventy-five percent of the time, and doing microgreens twenty-five to the other. So if there's hundred and fifty percent, Let me just work this math out. Some George Bush math, but uh, yeah. So,
0: so where do you?
1: Yeah, I remember
0: Little Mountain Life now when nice. they, they they yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Did I listen to that? I saw it in the in the in the stuff. I don't always listen to interview shows. I have to admit.
0: Yep. I would never. I <laughs> get.
1: I, it. I saw Pole Barn and I was like, I had an aversion to that show because I knew it would make me want to do stuff I don't have room for. <laughs>
0: That's the other problem, right? You always get motivated, yeah. and you're talking about deadlines. You know, there's this whole entrepreneurial mindset. If you're bent toward working for yourself, there's certain things. I don't know. Hey, I, not everybody, but it seems like a lot of people. Deadlines make their skin crawl. Um, yeah. They, they, they. Serial entrepreneurs. They like to jump from one thing to the next. They get passionate about learning something and then move on to the next learning something. And yeah, I, they, you can't help it. It's just too yeah. I mean, yeah, we can help it, but it, it's always going to be a struggle. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like being addicted to carbs, right? Same right. thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is. So, I, uh, uh, I, I'm terrible with with any any real level of like let me do this long term i can't believe i've been doing this for seven and eight almost almost eight years no seven going on seven
0: yeah well even the even the tie though like i don't know like even being tied to a business there's still a certain amount of freedom you know what i mean yeah. like if you want to get up at four in the morning and work till six in the morning or whatever it is right or you want to do it in your underwear or you you know you yeah. want to um, moonlight is a, an AM football commentator on the radio. You know what I mean? Like any of that shit, right? <laughs> you know, you can usually work things in, but you know, when you're working for, you know, well, whatever, whether it was at Hooters or like me at a hardware store, it's, you got no choice. Like you, you got to get up, you got to go and you feel there, there's a whole different tie there. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy the, the entrepreneurial end of it because it just, I don't know. You just, you can make your own rules, make your, yeah, you're a slave to what the chefs need, but at the same time, you know, I yeah. if you don't like a customer, you can fire them, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. yeah. And I can go, I mean, other than like Tuesday and Friday in the daytime when I'm, we're doing our delivery routes, I can pretty much work out anything else. Like, so if I have a friend that's like, Hey, let's go, we're going to go. I'm going go to go and see a Led Zeppelin cover band in a couple of weeks. Nice. And I can just go like, I'll, I will do that. Now, if I have a friend that's like, "Hey, let's go to Hawaii for twelve days," that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, like it's not not a thing. You know, so and it's kind of it kind of sucks. And I'm sure this it, it's got its trade offs though, because there's mm-hmm. no one hassling me, and like, and through the whole thing we just went through the last two years, there was nobody telling me what I hadn't had to do and couldn't do. There's no one holding anything over my job or anything. You know, it's just I was here and. Like, if you wanted to show up at my house with a mask on to buy something, I don't know, well, whatever. Like, I, yeah, know you're I don't care from Massachusetts, but, you know, okay. <laughs> so, like, your money's still green. <laughs> so, like, I didn't have any, I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. And when it was, like, you know, in the beginning, when it was freaky and no one mm-hmm. knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, we lost everything, theoretically, like, overnight. We went from the busiest March, the busiest first week of March we ever had to wow. zero in 14 days because they shut Massachusetts down the following Friday and then they shut New Hampshire down the week after that. So there was a six weeks where we were freaking out six, eight weeks. We're just like, "Um, we're screwed. Now she was a bartender at that point and in Massachusetts. So it looked like now the one thing that worked out in our favor. So normally as a bartender, you would just claim no money, right? Yeah, And you would have nothing on your taxes. But the year before all the Whoever in Massachusetts, because she was bartending just over the border, they all got together and lobbied for um, a higher hourly rate or something, right? And they got they they didn't get what they wanted out. They probably think they did, but they, <laughs> they what they really got was. And I know this is running restaurants, right? They got um, in a nutshell, you have to make X amount of dollars per hour, but it doesn't have to be what the employer is paying you. It can also be your tips. OK, oh. so all all they did was make it so that they had to claim their tips. And then right. what happened is if you weren't making if you were like, oh, I just won't claim X amount of money on my tips. Right. Uh, the, the employer would go, F you, I'm not paying you all this extra money because I know you made this much money because I'm looking at your credit card tips. Right. So the employers just started claiming all of their credit card tips for them and then assuming like 10 percent in cash. OK, so. They screwed themselves. However, <laughs> they, their timing was fantastic because what it did was anybody that needed to collect unemployment through, you know, the pandemic actually had income on the record to face. Right. Yeah. So that saved us like, cause her, her unemployment insurance ended up paying our bills at home. And then the business had to stand on its own, which was you know scary, but we doubled down on uh home delivery and stuff like that. And, and, we got through. I didn't. I wasn't super successful at home delivery, but it did pay the bills. The business had to pay, like because my lease here doesn't go away, you know. And we still have to buy soil. You still have to buy seeds. You still have electric electric bills and whatever. Um, you know, we went to bare bones, but we figured out like, okay, we need we have to make you know five hundred dollars a week or six hundred whatever it was, and we just figured that out. You know, we scrimped and scrounged to make that happen.
0: Is that when you went in? Did you get into barrels at that time too? Yep.
1: That's what we got into barrels. But don't Talk tell the,
0: we'll, we'll backtrack a bit on microgreens, but the the barrels just intrigued yeah. me. Don't yeah. tell
1: the tax man. So yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was doing the entrepreneur thing. What can I do? You know, I'm about to lose everything. What can I do? Right? And I my first thought was home delivery, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started going nuts on Facebook, and I'm trying to like really get the marketing out there. None of that ever works, but whatever. Yeah. And, I know. Uh, um, doing everything I possibly can just running rampant every day trying to figure it out and i'm like okay we got a basement it sucks it's like dirt but i could put ibc totes down there yep you know cut in half and split open like a clamshell. i could fill those things with hydroponic fluid and put uh you know float a uh styrofoam rig on top or something and put net pots in i can grow lettuce and we can sell lettuce like full-size lettuce as well right which is more appealing to a home delivery like for Microgreens to home delivery customers is we have those people, but they're not all over the place because it's such a weird product. You know, mm-hmm. and you gotta like, you gotta know what they are. You gotta know that's what you want. And you gotta, you know, most of these people are really, really into health food, you know? And so, you know, we have maybe six to 12 of these people now. Okay. Whereas before the pandemic we had like four, <laughs> right? So yep. we did a little better, you know? Um, and they also, they come and go, you know, they atrophy off and then you get another one, and, you know, just like any other customer. Mm-hmm. So I was going up to buy an IBC tote to make into a, an or you know, a deep water uh, hydroponic system. And this guy sells barrels and he has tons of them, like just massive amounts of barrels on this property. And he's like, uh, you want to sell these at your house? And I'm like, eh, no, <laughs> but <maybe laughs> no, like, do I want yeah. them? No, but... Um, but I'll do anything right now. So what, what's the deal? And he's like, well, I'll bring you a bunch of some barrel. I'll bring you some barrels, sell them, pay me when they sell. Basically I'll give you a barrel for five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever, depending on the barrel. And you sell for double that.
0: Nice. I'm like,
1: I'm like, okay, so hundred percent profit, uh, you know, consignment basically, uh, sounds good. So I'm immediately like, okay, I'll try it. Sure. Like bring some barrels. Here's my address, you know, whatever. And I get home and I kind of tell my wife about it. She's fine. She's like, she's great. Whatever I want to do. She's just like, okay. You know, she trusts me. Thank God. So, so uh, he shows up the next day we're out, like we had left and gone somewhere and we come home and there's like 400 barrels at my house.
0: (laughs) How big of like, are you living in a town like right in?
1: No, I'm on the outskirts. I have okay. like, point, I have 0. 0.7 acres, almost. Point okay. I don't have a lot. Um, and I'm uh, in mean, like, it's not suburbs, it's out, but it's, you know, I'm like nine miles from the city center or the town center. It's a town. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm probably, you know, 20 miles from the closest city. So, um, you know, and I mean, it's a dead end road that ends at a lake and, you know, whatever. And um, I'm like, oh my God. Why, what am I going to do with all this? 100%. So I waited. That was like a Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I just took a bunch of pictures. And I kind of was dragging my feet. I was kind of a little annoyed about it, you know. And I was like, well, I got to try. So I like called this guy and I go, what do I, what exactly do I do? And he's like, just list them on Facebook and Craigslist. And I was like, okay. So I took all these pictures and I listed them on Facebook Craigslist, like Thursday night, late, like so midnight, whatever, okay. going into Friday. And then Friday, I start getting Facebook Messenger messages, which is awful. But yeah. I,
0: oh, yeah. I don't with the CIA.
1: Yeah, but whatever. So, and I'm getting a ton of them. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And then people start showing up buying barrels. And then the following Tuesday, I called them for more.
0: Are you so, serious?
1: Nuts. Yeah. So, that saved our ass in addition to some other things. Because then they started opening up programs for farms that lost sales and whatever. And I don't know how every state was. Like, here – the first round of like uh, bailout money, essentially, um, Trump sent it to the states and just said, "Do what you will." Right? It wasn't a lot of details. It wasn't a lot of strings attached like this last one that didn't do anything for anybody other than lobbyists. So, <laughs> so uh, our state did really well with it. They basically were like, "Show us your sales from last year. Show us your sales this year." I, so I took farm sales from last year and farm sales from this year because the barrels aren't farm sales, and. <laughs> their own thing. Yep. And I just, here's the deficit. And they were like, here's a check and I was like, Holy shit. Now that like ran out at some point, but, and then there's, there was also self-employment unemployment at some point. So we ended up doing okay. Uh, eventually. And then we ended up, you know, obviously if you give an entrepreneur some extra money, they'll start building on things, you know?
0: Oh yes. I know so, all about that.
1: Yeah. So we improved the grow room and we, you know, did some stuff and then, and then, uh, then she informed me one day when I was actually doing, uh, so so all that funding had ended, and we had some money put aside. But I was sitting there going, "Oh my God, it's a it's like it's just a, it's a plane going down eventually." Because restaurants, the funding was over, but restaurants were still doing nothing, yep. right? And we were just like losing our ass again, and that money was starting to dwindle, you know. And she comes in; it's like October late October. And, uh, <laughs> like, hey, I, I've literally just finished going, wow, we're broke. And she's like, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> I was like, Hey, cool. We're broke. No, <laughs> So no, it was fine. But, uh, it was funny, but it was like a moment. But, um, so then that happened and I was just like, okay, you're not going back to work. So like, I don't want that life where you know, we're both running around trying to work and you're going to a job and I have to try to figure out how to run the business around your schedule and blah, blah, blah. And she had already kind of three, four months into being done or not working at the bar. She looked at me and she was like, this is, I know we're not making a lot of money right now, but this is great. I was like, I know, isn't it? <laughs> like, for years, I tried to get her to not bartend and stay home and work the farm. Cause I was always like, all we got to do is go get more restaurants and you can stay home you know but she didn't really want to do it she wanted to keep working and then then she was forced to stay home by the government and <laughs> and she realized it was great yep. so that worked yeah so that was barrels barrels are cool though because people that show up to buy barrels are interesting
0: mm-hmm. right
1: they're in the middle of a project almost every one of them right and it's always a good <laughs> conversation i like to talk to people so it always turns into a, a massive time suck but i enjoy it yep so one guy will show up, buy a couple barrels. I'll make like $18. I talk to him for an hour and 45 minutes.
0: That's <laughs> so, yeah, about 10 bucks an hour, you know? Yeah. But, but so is it like, I, I know we were talking about microgreens, but I knew we talk about barrels too, but yeah. would it be something, could you make a living off barrels? Just you, if you did it full time or I know you, cause you, you've got a pretty big metropolitan area to pull from, do you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Boston, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and Southern New Hampshire's no no slouch either really like as far as population goes. Like the density's pretty pretty much there. I um I mean what I did to be successful with the barrels wasn't just put them on Facebook and and pray. It was um you know, we st- I added it to the website, I started a started a business name for it and screwed up the registration. Oh shit, <laughs> okay. Um now I'm the proud owner of a of a business named Jonathan. Whoops. <laughs> like my autofill screwed up the application and i got approved i was like oh cool snh barrels is approved and then it's like you've been approved for the name jonathan i'm like oh i i already am that so uh, i gotta do that still but i i made a web page and i just did i went on google and just started you know snh barrels on google's right and i get a ton of phone calls from that and yeah it was cool and then craigslist and all that um but I also offer delivery, which was huge because I have the truck and I have a landscaping trailer. Right. Delivery is like the best because I'll get a guy south of Boston, more money than God, who wants barrels to build a dock at his new mansion. Right. Great. Right. And he'll need 25 barrels. And I'll be like, I'm just doing the math. Like, I got to drive through that tunnel with barrels, pyramid stacked on a landscaping trailer. And if one strap's not right and they come off, there's nowhere to go in that tunnel. I'm just going to drive to Mexico. I'm done. So, like, I just I factor it all in, and I'm like, well, 25 of those barrels is going to be, you know, 300 bucks, and uh, delivery is going to be, you know, 250. So they
0: don't even an eyelash, do you Yeah, they
1: don't. And then, so I've gotten the habit now. I think well, I haven't gotten the habit of. I I think what I should do is go on Google Maps, look at their house first before I give them a quote.
0: <laughs> I get <laughs> it. it,
1: but there's a lot of money in the delivery stuff. Um, nice. I'm trying to get more business to business stuff. Cause like, if you think about it, every time an HVAC guy empties an oil, um, thing, you know, like an oil, whatever it's called tank. Yeah. Yeah. Tank. <laughs> He's got to put that oil somewhere, you know? That's
0: great. You could do temporary storage for people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, or even just sell them barrels, just in general, right? Like they, I've had a couple plumber types and HVAC guys come to me and go, "I need barrels because I'm emptying an oil tank for somebody. They're getting rid of their oil burner. They're going propane or whatever, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I'll sell you barrels." Like, there's so many HVAC companies. I just need to reach out to them, probably. And like
0: seventy-five percent of the audience will have no clue what we're talking about for furnace oil, so that's oh, like. yeah. Well, no, it's, it's cool. Fine. I just I grew up in cool.
1: <laughs> You have to heat things, no. Yeah. but So it's yeah, like whatever. And, and there's other things, you know, glycol. You got to get rid of right, yeah. Um, there's all kinds of that stuff. So business to business would be good. I live right near the coast, so dock barrels are big. Um, I think I could probably make just a living off that. To answer your question, but. It's too volatile to me. So basically once it gets cold here, like right. really cold, we do like salt and sand barrels for people like that want to have salt and sand barrels on their driveway. And then it pretty much stops, um, you know, except for the straggler here and there. And then that's actually where I got this heating oil draining idea was because that's going on all winter. So um, now, that's it's starting. Awesome. yeah, the last week it started to pick back up. Um, burn barrels sell, but actually we lost our supply. For burn barrels so i'm gonna have to figure that out uh and that's the other part of it is yeah sure you can make money on it real well but supplies of these used barrels can be ominous too so like yep. i would never want all my eggs to be in that basket um so we continued to even though it was like there was a time in 2020 2021 where i was losing my ass on the farm i was doing great with barrels i was like Nope, can't give up on the farm because when if this say if this dips this that maybe will be there and that's the way it's been is they've kind of traded off since then.
0: That's the best uh, way to do it, man. Yeah. Diversify three or yep. four, two or three, whatever it is. Little, yeah, like, yeah.
1: So, we also sell a little bit of microgreens supplies on the website too, and that kind of that comes and goes too, like uh, plastic flats and stuff. So that's, that's like cool. it's like a nice little extra, little bit here and there.
0: So where do you okay? So where. So say I called you up today and I said, Hey, John, I want to get into microgreens. You know, give me the elevator pitch on how to do it. Where do you start? What do you do? You know, <sighs> the
1: elevator I mean, pitch, I mean, on how to start microgreens, <laughs> I, I mean, elevator pitch, I don't know yeah, if I yeah. have an elevator pitch in me for anything. No. So <laughs> I would, uh, my first thought question would be, who do you want to sell to? And do you live near me? No. Right. I, never... <laughs> I understand. <laughs> do yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people ask me how to start up and it's, um, I just started up on a rack in my house in the living room, you know, uh, what's his name's book. He lives up near you. I think he lives in Kelowna or something. Oh, uh, Curtis, not, not Curtis, his friend. Okay. Um, I can never remember his name. Right, whatever, yeah, anyway, yeah. His friend wrote a book that's an instruction manual. So if you really okay. wanted to get into microgreens, I would be like, buy that guy's book. Cause it literally reads like an instruction manual and it's very thorough. It's like, these are the lights to buy these are the trays to get. These are the seeds to start with. And I mean, I could tell you this stuff fairly easily. Right. Um, But I would tell you like, be prepared to work every day of your life, you know, be prepared to work seven days a week. Um, And who do you want to sell to? Like, what's your strong suit? Are you going to do farmer's markets? You're going to try to do just like sell it to friends and stuff. You're going to do restaurants. Are you going to do supermarkets? Cause that's its own animal. We don't really do much of that because the, the maintenance that I call everything maintenance, but like maintaining those accounts is tough because, you know, you take 50 clamshells of microgreens to a supermarket. They're going to put them on the shelf until they Mm -hmm. sell. Right. Then then they're, you know, they might that $8 and 50 cent an hour kid that doesn't give a shit about anything might notice that they're rotting. (laughs) Right. So you have to do that just to make sure your name doesn't get ruined. So we don't do much of that. Um, You know, farmer's markets are a lot of work. Yep, it's a lot with microgreens. It's a ton of harvest. And that shit is not good a couple days later, you know, for you to sell. So you're going to harvest it all for that market. Package it all up in clamshells or whatever you're going to do. You're going to have to go set up, sell your stuff. And, like, if it rains, now you've got all this. you got a day's worth of work that you – good luck, you know. never thought
0: of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was the tough – part about markets. Um, Some people are very successful at farmers markets. We weren't unsuccessful. It's just like a lot of stuff to do and a lot of commitment, a lot of time commitment because basically day of market is your whole day if you're going to harvest day of. And if you're not going to, it's half your day at least if you're going to harvest the day before. So there's a ton there. And then, I mean, it's the same way with restaurants though. Like we harvest Monday for Monday and Tuesday to deliver on Tuesdays and then Thursday night and Friday to deliver on Fridays. So, but that's less... I don't know. You're in your car, drive, driving around by yourself, listening to, listen to Tim, the tool Man show. It's yeah, much yeah. different than sitting there talking to 4,000 people at a market, which I like to do. That's actually the part I like, but you know, having to be there constantly. That might think. So I don't have an elevator pitch.
0: That's all right. Oh, whatever. So I would,
1: re- actually yeah. I would say, grow them for yourself, learn how to do it and, and go from there. And if yeah. if, if, you, if you get into it and you start growing, from there, like growing the operation. That's, that's how you really should get into it.
0: So if you, um, so like you said, some of them are fairly short, short lifespan, you know, from seed to, to harvest or whatever. So when, um, when a chef, like, cause you you got a place on your website where you can place orders or do you just kind of, do some chefs have standing orders with you? Is that how it works or?
1: Yeah. A little bit of both. I could have a better website. Um, and I should, except for Nicole's done her part, and I have not done my part. So I know that. Yep. <laughs> I've been paying for a website for like two years. I don't even use. So uh, I, uh, I have some standing orders, and I always I'm super super flexible in my business model. Like if, well, like in your world, you mow lawns, right? Yep. If it doesn't rain, you don't go. Well, I'm coming to mowing your lawn anyway. No, nope. right? Customer so,
0: gets pissed off.
1: Yeah, same thing. Yeah, so like we have a standing order. And then if it's super, super slow and you don't need another delivery on Tuesday, then I'm not going to be like, no, you're a standing order. You got to deal with it. You know? So we were very, very flexible. Um, our success is built on a seven day shelf life guarantee, which really perks up their ears when they hear that because they know the produce company stuff rots in three days. And they know that a lot of, even the small time growers stuff rots pretty quick, like not three days, but you know, within a week, so we say a seven day shelf life guarantee and customizable orders. So you could call me up and order two ounces of basil and that's it instead of eight wow. or whatever. Yeah. So, and as long as I'm going like, okay, if you're going to order two ounces of basil from me, if I'm going there anyway, I'll do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but a lot of times they will do it anyway. Cause I know that's, I just have to eat it sometimes, you know, and like, you know, whatever it. you're a good customer, I'm going to maintain this relationship. Um, so, that those are like our selling points. What was your original question? I forget.
0: I'm oh, sorry. We're just talking about like standing orders. I guess what I was kicking oh, around
1: the like... order. So text message is our number one nice thing. Cause our website kind of sucks for it. And chefs don't want to deal with your website. It's weird. Um, they have their big food order, right. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they have another subsidiary they use to, or something. Then they have a seafood guy. Then they have a produce company and then they have a bread guy. And then they all this stuff. And, um, a lot of them, they have to call. A lot of them, they have to have a website. We try to make it super easy. On Monday and Thursday, <clears throat> early in the day, we text them. And we just oh, say, nice. here's the link to the website where you can see everything that's available if you want to. Uh, please have your orders in by 4 o'clock today. And then they reply with an order. That's super easy. And it's usually the same stuff. Like, we could probably not even look at the messages and get the right get real close to what they actually want, you know? Um, Cause it's a lot of repeat stuff. Like it's not always standing, but it's, it's a lot of the same stuff every week. Um, you know, the real, the real challenge is getting them to reply on time.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and you have to be flexible with that too. Cause I like money. So if sure. you text me on day of delivery at 10 AM, it's like, it might suck, but I need to get that money in. So let's do it. You know?
0: Plus and, uh, they're your bread and butter, aren't they?
1: Yeah. And, it, and a lot of times I tell them, I go, look, don't be afraid to ask if you're late, like, because most of this stuff, we're going to cut it anyway. So I'd rather sell it than like, watch it sit in one of these refrigerators that you can't see on the screen.
0: <laughs> so I, 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 always flip through people's websites and, you know, social just to kind of get an idea. But I, I seen where you had, um, you said your um, it's a handshake business relationship with no bullshit. Yep. What does that mean?
1: Where'd I put that on the website?
0: Yeah. 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 Sure.
1: Good. <laughs> <laughs> it means I don't do credit apps unless they ask me.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I, I, I get the question a lot like, uh, oh, do you have a credit app? Do you want a credit app? Do you, oh, No, no. I'm going to go in. We're going to talk you know, like men or whatever yeah, and, yeah. Uh, face-to-face, and we're going to make an agreement on whatever it is. So it's, it doesn't need to be complicated. Yep. Do you want microgreens? Yes, I would like to buy your microgreens. All right, cool. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> shake yeah your contract yeah and it's like we do um like we do returnable containers instead of throwing away plastic all the time really uh, yeah and it's like you know some people are like oh well how do you track that i'm like why would i ever oh my god i can't imagine (laughs) like i take containers in most of them come back and I'd say 98% of them come back. And sometimes I'm in a restaurant and I look up on a shelf and I see a container with my sticker on it with uh you know, toothpicks in it or something. And I don't say anything about it. Who cares? No. You know? Um, because if a container comes back three times after that third time, every time it comes back, I make like 35 cents. Wow. Because a clamshell is like 30 to 35 cents. So I know they come back more than that. Like, because I buy them at Walmart basically and they have the stupid seasonal ones with the different color lids, the yep. made take-alongs, <laughs> right? And I'll be like, those are from Easter last year. <laughs> we still got most of them, you know? So it's like, it's pretty easy to figure it out. But uh, and I could sit there and look at my packaging cost, and I save thousands every year doing that. But anyway, the point is, is like, I don't, I just say to the chef, like, look, we use returnable stuff because we don't hate the environment. And, you know, is, is that okay with you? And they almost always say yes. I've had a couple say no, and that's fine. We have clamshells too, you know. So, uh, but I don't, you know, sometimes they'll say, is there like a deposit? I'm like, no, (laughs) no way. (laughs) You know, like, let's keep this as simple as possible. I show up with an invoice. They try to sign it. I go, no, 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 that's for you. And they're like, oh, you don't have a copy, and I'm like, nah, it's somewhere on a computer. Why do I need a cop? Like, right? Why do I need that piece of paper to be kicking around, annoying me. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I hate I them All, I wouldn't even show up with an invoice if I didn't have to. You know? Yeah,
0: I know. Me too. I yeah. totally. That's the worst part of being a business owner's invoice. Like, everybody's yeah. like, don't you love to get paid? Yeah, I do, but I hate to do fucking invoices. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just hate it.
1: Yep. And then I also don't. I'm, I don't get crazy about terms and payments and. A lot of microgreens growers are like, I get paid when I show up. My my partner on the show that I do, he gets paid. He wants to get paid when he shows up, and I'm like, it just adds a layer of impeding getting that sale. Mm -hmm. Like, I they'll ask me, they'll be like, what are your terms? What are your payment terms? I go, I don't know, maybe ninety days, maybe thirty, whatever. Like, you're gonna pay me. If you're not, I'm coming back here with a pitchfork.
0: (laughs) Have you you (laughs) ever been stiff yet?
1: (laughs) No. eh. I've been stiffed by restaurants that went out of business and bankruptcy um, to maybe to the tune of 500 bucks over the last seven years. So who cares? And you can write that off too. Um, Stiffed, like maybe 200 bucks total. Yeah. Like I got an account in Manchester, New Hampshire that, owes me for like a gallon of syrup from like two years ago. <laughs> and I stopped in and talked to him the other day and he actually placed an order. And I said, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll be in, you know, and I, I ordered, I, I gave him an order again and he, he actually still hasn't paid me. So now I do have to go in there and go, Hey man, I need you to pay this now Yep. You know, and bring him a statement. And, but I can do that. That's fine. Yeah. It never happens. This is the only time it's ever happened. So I never really have problems. I did have a restaurant once that ran up twice. Actually, it ran up big, you know, Like they owed me like two grand. Right. Yep. And I was like, "Hey, you're going to have to pay me today. Like before I leave here. And the one guy was like, Oh, well, yeah. But, and I'm like, no, 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 no. you got to pay me today, man. And the other place I called them because I had run, jumped through hoops with them already a couple times. And that was the one where I called them and I said, look, I'm not Cisco. I will show up there with a pitchfork tomorrow. And they were like, Oh, well we could pay you. You take a credit card. And I'm like, yeah, of course I take a credit (laughs) card. (laughs) <laughs> like come right on you, man
0: that's awesome yeah, so
1: i don't like i'm not a violent guy but i don't i don't fuck around with that's like whatever i don't want to make it complicated and i i expect the same level of you know on the other side right why i look i trusted you don't violate my trust or i'll hit you with a pitchfork <laughs> not really i don't even know if i own a pitchfork that's the
0: best part of this we uh I was heading out of town the other day. We're about an hour out of town where we go shopping. I'm just pulling into the city and there's those, you know, them like somebody makes a good business with them signs with the neon letters, you know, they just have feet on them or whatever. They're like a I don't know, four by eight billboard or a little bigger. Anyway, it's I can't remember the company's names and I wouldn't say it if I could, but it was like some maintenance company. It said so and so construction, you need to pay your twelve thousand dollar bill, and they put it right there with the phone number. I was like fantastic. Oh my God. And ah. it's like right on the big North South going in, you know, oh. so everybody sees it. I was like, well, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, pay your bill then. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm the same way. Like we, you know, for all the years we've run business, we never gotten yeah. stiffed yet. You know, my wife is a good collector, but it doesn't happen very often.
1: Yeah. My, I mean, we send out statements and whatever. And usually it's just an overlook. I mean, I had one restaurant try, I think. I can't prove it, but mm-hmm. they, they were paying like uh, spotty. So like they'd pay four and then they'd skip like two and then they'd pay like three and skip one. And, and I was like, all right, there's too much of this for you just to be losing invoices, you know? Yep. So once I brought it up though, it never happened again. So, and they still buy from me. It, they're not like not my money. best customer. They're like, I could, you know, if they decided not to tomorrow, I'd be out a couple cups of coffee, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. I have those too, though. It's fine. You know, like if I'm going to the town anyway, I'll sell to anybody there. I don't care. If, if you want to buy $10 worth of shit for me and I'm going there. Okay. You're paying for my gas to get there then. That's fine. So I don't have minimums. I don't have, um, you know, uh, you, know you can customize orders. We guarantee seven days. You can order day of and I'll probably show up. Um, you can ask me to grow stuff that I don't have and I will, you know, so like we're s- as literally as flexible as you can possibly be with our business model. That's, that is our business model. Just
0: you serve. Yeah, you,
1: flexibility. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you've, you worked for two decades in the service industry You know how to make people happy, right?
1: Yeah. Now you and get they, yeah. to make
0: people happy and put all the money in your pocket.
1: Yeah. And that plays in awesome. my, that plays into my advantage too, because I know mm-hmm. the language. So I can go in and talk to people in the restaurant industry. And at some point it maybe will come up, right. That I was in the business and that it's, you know, whatever. Then it turns into that conversation. Then they like you. And then, you know, yep, whatever. But I mean, marketing is just all about being personable and, you know, I never.
0: Relating to people, you know, like
1: like I said, I dropped out of high school, man. I'm not a salesman.
0: (laughs) I mean, people can learn it, but at the same time it's something you kind of innately have to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you either have the ability to talk to anybody or you don't. Right. And yeah. if you can, boy, that's a, that is a, you're head and shoulders above 95% of people trying to do sales, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you can't talk to people, it's all over.
0: Oh, fuck. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned syrup. So you got like other, you, I, I see you guys, you must partner with other farms or something. Cause you got like yeah. maple syrup and mustard. Yeah, they, we'll talk about that a little.
1: Because it takes a massive level of insanity to decide to make maple
0: syrup. Oh, what, my God. What are yeah. you
1: people doing?
0: I <laughs> oh did it God. once, and that was the only time. And to boot, I decided to bring it in the house and boil it down on an electric stove. Oh, so my you, God. You can just imagine between the moisture and the cost of the electricity. Yeah. It probably cost me $75, um, you know, a pint, you know? Yeah.
1: You know, what else I make maple syrup. I make money on maple syrup selling metal barrels to make into maple syrup evaporators now. Right, getting it on both ends. So uh, yeah, I, um, geez, I, so before I did microgreens, I always kind of wanted to be, I guess they call it an aggregator. I never knew that word until after I was doing it, but um, I was always like, there's so many little farms in New Hampshire. Like, would it be great to get like a refrigerated vehicle and just go around to all these little farms or, or maybe have them meet us in a co-op area, bring us whatever they have. And we could go to restaurants and be like, this is what I have today. You know, what do you want to buy? It's all local. It's this, that, whatever that business model. Like it, I don't think it'll ever work. Um, okay. It was a great idea. I think, or I think it was like a good starting off point. Um, So we started doing the, the greens and we we're doing okay with them. And it turned into my full-time job and we ended up leasing the grow room and she was still working. And I had like a kind of part-time, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So like briefly, and then I was like, sell, I was purging shit from my house. And I had all these kegs from when I was a restaurant manager and I would throw a party and there'd be a keg. And then I would never bring it back to the restaurant. Cause you know, just mm-hmm. sit out bad. Yeah. You know? I had like 14 kegs at my house though. Like three years after I was done. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, what the hell? So I took pictures of them, stuck them on Craigslist. Some guy shows up to buy them, and he's a maple syrup guy, and he's buying the kegs because he kegs up the, the syrup after he makes it just for wow. storage. And okay. he makes like three thousand gallons of syrup a year. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Like, how do you sell it? And he's like, I eh, just kind of like at the so the majority of his syrup was going to the the New Hampshire fairs, and there's like a whole maple syrup uh something here like a union or whatever where uh, like an association where they take, they send syrup to this place. I, I don't know. I'm imagining a place in my head where there's vats of syrup and all the producers and all the members send their syrup in and they blend it all together and sell it at the fairs. Okay. I don't know where all this happens, but that's the beginning and the end of it. Right. Um, I think he was probably selling most of his stuff there. And during like maple syrup week they have here in New Hampshire and like, you know, whatever, maybe some farmer's markets, So I'm like, oh, well, we delivered a, at the time we were maybe 25 restaurants. And I was like, do you have enough to where, say, if every restaurant bought syrup from you through us, you would, would you have enough supply? And he's like, oh yeah, I make 3000 gallons a year. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I worked at wholesale deal out with him and it's fantastic. He literally, most of the time brings it to me at my grow room, puts it in the van. So we don't have to bring it up the stairs. (laughs) And I just drop it off and wow. every gallon of syrup I drop off, I make money on that. You know, I make, you know, about 25 to 30% depending on which size. Um, and then we also sell it in our farm stand and I was actually going to start selling it through the mail. Um, I got his permission, everything, but then his supply was low this year because last year was a real bad year, I guess. Yeah. So I didn't start that yet, but we are going to start that. <clears throat> the syrup this guy makes is a, I've never had anything like it in my life. I keep, Saying to him like, "Do you put butter in this?" I'm pretty sure you're you're putting butter in this, right? And he's like, "Obviously not." So yeah, um, it's it's nuts how good it is, and the prices. His wholesale price is great. I get to add on what I need to add on, and we're cheaper than all the distributors to the restaurants still,
0: and a better product, and it's local.
1: Yeah, and it it just sells itself. It's great. So like last year on syrup. I did like, what was it? I have the numbers right here because I you asked. You told me in pre-show about this, so I pulled up my reports. Awesome! It was like sixteen thousand dollars or something worth of syrup.
0: Are you serious? Sales
1: last year, yeah.
0: That's awesome. And
1: yeah, it was. It's crazy. So then I said, "Oh my god, this is what I." I immediately hearkened back to my original dream of like driving around to farms right and getting all their stuff and selling it i was like oh i can do it now (laughs) because i have all these customers and i have a product and whatever so uh i got a honey guy that was local and his honey's really really good i'm told i can't really partake because of the diabetes and no pancreas so um but i uh and i'm not the best Like it's not like sideways with honey here where I can taste it and spit it out and go, that's delicious honey. I can taste notes of orange blossom. I I have no idea. You give me honey, it all tastes the same, but my wife tells me that his honey is fantastic and I believe her. So, (laughs) so, um, we have a mustard guy. There's a guy. So, so this was the advantage of farmer's markets. We went to our farmer's market and I felt obligated to do our farmer's market in our town. Otherwise I never would have done a farmer's market probably. Um, So we did it one year and it was awful. We were bad at it. What is what I mean? And then the next year I had an employee that had been the coordinator of the farmer's market in the past. And that was like her thing. She's amazing at it. And she made our farm stand, our farmer's market stand just the best, right? (laughs) Like she just set it all up. Like it was, it was awesome. And, uh, so I had some involvement that year more so than the year before. And, um, I learned that year. um, that I one, I pay my employees that do my farmer's market better than anybody else at the farmer's market. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, well, like I they apparently people don't pay people that work at their farmer's market shit. And I'm like, that's a terrible business model because why would that person want to work and sell your product if you don't pay them right? You know? Right. Like, so I was paying her like a flat rate that was more so more than anybody else there was making. Plus, I was giving her like 10 10% commission or something you know, nice. so she was making really good money doing the market, but it's a lot of work, you know, and I was expecting her to do it all right. Like I want you to harvest. I want you to package. I want you to show up, set it up. I want you to break down. Now I would show up and help with some of that stuff, you know, cause I'm not a dick. So like, but being at the market, I found other people to sell for, right. Obviously, cause you're there and there's all these other people that are selling their stuff. So I found this mustard guy and it's, it's great. It's all small batch, no preservative made in Kentucky, New Hampshire. And the stuff is fantastic. And I love mustard. So it was like the perfect thing for me. I almost had a cheese person, but I couldn't work out the logistics. Uh, they're just a little too far away. There's a weird corridor of New Hampshire that's not accessible by highway. And there's a lot of amazing farms out there. And it really kind of sucks that it's so hard to get to. And they know it. Cause I was working with one at one point to get there was a disaster it's like 20 miles away, but it's like 65 minutes to drive there. Oh. <laughs> it's it's horrible. So, and they know it. Like they'll say, like, yeah, you people can't get out here. And I'm like, we got to figure something out, man. Get these people together and let's get the route. You know, let's like start a trade route. So, um, uh, then a garlic guy in in our town, like right guy that grows garlic right here in dairy, and uh, I sell for him. And uh, it's, it's mustard, honey, maple syrup, garlic. And then we've always kind of done eggs for other farms. So when we run out of eggs, we'll reach out and pull eggs from other farms. Right. So we've always had our own eggs, but then, you know, we go through, we're going to sell a ton or, or whatever, or ours aren't laying eggs for no reason. And there'll be other people, you know, um,
0: yeah Chris, so, okay. yeah. I, yeah every time you say dairy all i can think of is pennywise of course Dairy's,
1: yeah well Derry's new hampshire but uh right. i know he's saying mass he's right the town names yeah. mass are great i've always wanted to know why it's worcester worcester but then you have Gl- gloucester okay yeah. and then dorchester so why is it dorchester duster
0: it Dorster. i, I want to yeah. know <laughs> so <laughs> do you got a yarmouth there is there a, yeah yeah
1: there's a north end i think it's down to the cape maybe okay i think yeah yeah we got
0: a yarmouth a weymouth and a falmouth where i grew up and I all know. the like yep. yeah they all, all go what's that
1: we have all those yeah
0: yeah because basically everybody from massachusetts what that they come in on the uh you know the plymouth the Rock. Ferry? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: no yeah <laughs> now they come in on the ferry
0: <laughs> right Yeah. Well, yeah yeah but back in the day and then they all just headed up the coast and they they you know they Halifax and then Yarmouth, and yeah. you know, that's kind of how they populated, right?
1: Are you Nova Scotia? Is that where you're yeah, right? that's where I'm okay. from. I you said that on I think on Loose the Goose, and I was like, Oh wow, that's because you're out west now,
0: right? Yeah, been been out here almost oh. a decade now in Alberta.
1: Obviously, a lot of Scottish people there, I'm assuming. We're probably yeah. related.
0: Oh, I'm sure. My right. actually, my relative, we we uh I don't know, about 10 years ago, we tracked it all back and Francis Cook come over on the Mayflower. Wow, and uh, which I thought was kind of cool, you know, yeah. and then then from there they you know up to Halifax yeah so it's yeah. kind of neat. But
1: my family both uh, so the Scottish f- side of the family weren't here until after the Revolution. Well, they were here for the Revolution, just on the wrong side. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, but, well,
0: yeah, well, you know. yeah, well,
1: you know, it is what it is. And then uh, then a bunch came here after the fact. And then um, on my mom's side though, it's a lot of uh, Supernal Indians, which are up in Ottawa. Nice think, or Quebec, or I don't know, somewhere up there, yeah, and like northern Maine, and it's all that. So that's why I'm like, oh, we're, I'm sure we're related somewhere along that French Indian, uh, whatever line lineage that's that is basically all of northern New England and southern, you know, south, what southeastern Canada, yeah, like, yeah. So my buddy got it, uh, whatever the DNA thing back, and it had these red dots. You know, like you were looking at the COVID outbreak numbers on the map, like that were darker and whatever. And he's like, this is where all my ancestors are from. And I'm like, oh, me too. (laughs) I'm like you and everyone else in New Hampshire, by the way.
0: (laughs) New England and the Maritimes are, they're fairly similar, you know, other than, you know, but, um, and like we talked about furnace oil, you know, everybody heats with furnace oil. How about candle pin bowling? Do you guys have candle pin bowling there?
1: They have it. I hate it.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what I grew up. The only bowling, I never touched a they big bowl until I was like 30. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I thought, so I'm from upstate New York. So okay. that area is regular bowling, just bowling, bowling, like you see, like PBA. Uh, yep. I grew up doing that. I actually loved to bowl. I moved here uh, or I came here for college in 98 and uh, they're like, they had a, I came in the second semester and they're like, we're having a new student outing thing. You guys, you know, people, everybody should come, whatever. I'm like, all right, yeah. whatever. They're like, we're going bowling. I'm like, sweet. I love bowling. Oh, no. <laughs> enough, it was this. I go, what, what is this bullshit? What is this shot put ball? Like, what is happening here? And I was annoyed. And I went outside. And I'm standing there. And there's this dude with a Cleveland Indians hat on or whatever. I don't know. And I start talking to him. And I'm like, what is this bullshit? Like, I thought we were going to bowl. And he's like me too. He's the guy's my best friend to this day. He's from Cleveland. Awesome. He was thrown. We we're both just thrown off about what the hell was going on in that building that they called bowling. And then, you know, whatever. He was old enough to buy booze. So that was a fun night. So uh
0: whole other way of life, man. I'm yeah. You. Oh,
1: it's it's crazy. But yeah, I love the bowl. But um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that here. Upstate New York's its own animal. It's like weird up there.
0: What's well, kind of country? Everybody thinks New York, they think of the city, and yeah. then yeah, and then yeah, and then you got Buffalo, which is like the armpit of New York, and you yeah. know, and no, Niagara no, Falls, or Niagara. Yeah, <laughs> what's that?
1: Oswego is the armpit of New York.
0: Yeah, well, I was actually thinking, um, oh, Niagara Falls, the the American side of Niagara Falls has got to be oh. one of the dungiest places I've ever been.
1: And it used to, it probably used to be all right. You can mm-hmm. tell, like in like the seventies, probably yep. it was probably fine. Um, I've I've been to Canada once when I was like twelve, so before they required passports and whatever. Like remember when you used to be able to just go there and nobody asked you? Yeah. Yeah. You just we yeah. back in the good old days <laughs> before they used uh nine eleven to shut all that shit down. Um we went to a blue jays game because I was a big Nolan Ryan fan. And uh
0: Yes, I love yeah, Nolan that Ryan. That was
1: that was he well, he was playing with the Rangers, but they were there. And
0: um show you that where is it there? Oh, I can't show you the blue jays tattoo thing? anyway. Yeah, it's a blue jays tattoo. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah that's sorry.
1: Fine. Yeah. I uh I can't watch baseball anymore now that they allow cheating. So um so I uh oh, man, are we
0: ever on a tangent this is great. Yeah. Right?
1: No, so I went up there once and I never been back. So we went to Niagara Falls uh probably, you know, 8 10 years ago and we just stayed on the US side and I was like what is this mess? Like this <sighs> is the worst place on the falls are great themselves, the rest is a disaster. I uh, couldn't believe it. Blew my mind. I go to I usually I go to Buffalo a couple times a year generally, you know. And I'd never been up there. It's That's one of those great. things where you, you grow up near it and you never go. It was one of those mm-hmm. things for me. Yeah,
0: I grew up in Nova Scotia and never went to PEI in my life. Yeah. And it's like a four-hour drive. And they even yeah. have a bridge now. You know, yep. It's like whatever. But. I've
1: never been to the New York State Fair. I grew up 45 minutes outside of Syracuse.
0: Yeah, it's probably over. I haven't <laughs> been to a rodeo yet, and I've lived out here for a decade almost. Right, so <laughs> Nice. So I guess well we might as well um so what do you got what do you got going now? Where are you heading and just gonna keep doing with the microgreens or what?
1: Yeah, we're um so it's hard to market uh, microgreens to restaurants basically the second week of November through about now because oh. you go into holidays and no one wants to see you and they're just busy with holidays and they're they're trying to have time off with their family, they're trying to deal with busyness from the holidays and the schedules and all this shit. They don't want to see a new guy, right? So we cut off marketing basically two weeks before Thanksgiving. And then we start up in March because then after Christmas, they get wicked slow and no one wants you to walk in and go, Hey, I know you're serving five customers a day, but would you like to buy cilantro for $5 an ounce? You know what I mean? So it's not a good time. So basically our plan is March 1st this year, we're going on like an all out marketing blitz in Boston because None. we had like okay sales down in Massachusetts in and around Boston. Um, and then October, I think I was like, we need to do more. And we need to do more in Boston. I'm driving down there and we're not doing enough. And, and there's nothing left in New Hampshire for us to grab. Like okay. as far as restaurants go, unless something new opens and that's different. But as far as marketing to towns in New Hampshire, we're done. Like there's not anything else left to get. Um, so, you know, instead of doing the logical thing, which would be to go to all the small towns between Boston and where we are, which is a lot, (laughs) we're going right to Boston instead. So, but the restaurants there order a lot. So it's, you know, big,
0: you know what I mean? Like I, to me, I, you're basically scaling it up for a little extra work, but a lot more money, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so in October we landed a, a pretty big account and we actually haven't even seen it come to fruition yet because pandemic and then slowness and winter and whatever. So I'm assuming next month, this big account's going to get real big. Um, and then we also got like early November, late October. I got, I kind of lucked into one more account, sort of like not lucked in, but like I had a previous chef that I had sold to and I learned he was at a place right up the street from the new restaurant. When I asked him about that restaurant They were like, oh, the chef's name is Colton. And I was like, it's got to be the same guy because no one's named Colton. So I went there and it was him, wicked nice guy. So hopefully that restaurant comes to fruition. But he sent us to their sister restaurant, which has been ordering. So there's another one. Nice. And then I was hitting like four or five restaurants one day. And I went into one place on Newbury Street and they were like, oh, go talk to this guy, this other chef at this other restaurant who owns this. And then I went into him. And, like, that guy knows people I know and, like, from, like, not microgreens, which is really weird. This guy knows everybody, though. He's one of those guys. So, we've got him now. So, we went from, like, no restaurants in downtown Boston, basically, to three. Like, just knocked them right down. So, I'm like, we need more of that. So...
0: You should start, oh, yeah. uh, I, I'm sure Discovery. Discovery would want to hire you to do a reality TV show. On, oh, yeah. Uh, beating, beating down the doors on the restaurants in Boston. You yeah. know, you've got, you, you've got food, you've got entrepreneur, and you've got the Boston accent. Or, well, you right. know, the, that area, yeah. right? Yeah. So,
1: Unfortunately, I have some of that.
0: Whatever. But it's awesome. That's, <laughs> yeah, that would be, I've yeah.
1: adopted enough of that accent, I guess. Um, I never had it obviously, growing up in Syracuse. That's that's a whole other accent. It's almost a oh, yeah. thing. Like, I watched, watching Letter Kenny made me have flashbacks to when I was in my my youth, because the the older guys where I'm from, they talk a lot of the same, uh, like, phrases and stuff, you know?
0: Letter and, Kenny is one of those, you watch that show, and there's enough in that show that appeals to just about anybody who's ever grown up in the country, you yeah. know? It's yeah. crazy.
1: Uh, like, 10-ply. That was something... You know, like
0: <laughs> we'll shout oh, out man. Greg Arcade here, too. He's our he's our local country music singer. He actually oh, supplied nice. the theme song to uh, the podcast and everything. Oh, he's great. from Manitoba. Good follower. Haven't seen him in a bit. It's nice to see you, bud.
1: Nice. There you go.
0: So where can everybody find you, John? Where where do we? Um, yeah.
1: <clears throat> I'm easy to find. I don't really have a lot going on as far as this. Uh, the social medias go. Um, not really on the Facebook anymore. I'd still have a thing there because I sell barrels on marketplace. Uh, not really there though. And theoretically, my wife manages ins- manages Instagram, but I think she's fallen off that too. <laughs> so well,
0: I tried your Instagram that's linked from your Facebook and it gave me a dead link. So oh
1: really? okay, yeah. maybe. Um, we have the website dowiefarm.com. dot uh, my YouTube channel is that same name. Uh, I think there's a C in there or something. I don't know how to get rid of that. And then, uh, yep, there it is. And, uh, that's it. You can hear me on, on Lo- the goose most weeks. Um, and that's about it. I mean, like we're, we're really trying to light a fire under our own ass to get this weekly microgreen show going where we're just, we're just doing mu- nuts and bolts and that's it. We had technical issues with the show. Cause I was trying to like, I think we're going to switch the stream yard to resolve our problems. So like drew the guy, I do the show with drew sample. He's the host of the sample hour. Um, He has his own podcast, does a real nice job with it, has good audio quality and everything. But he was recording, it, but we were trying to do video and I was doing the video end and there was sync issues. And like I was asking questions and he was answering and I was responding. And it was out of whack so far that like he would be answering a question that I hadn't asked yet or something on the recording. It was like so far out of sync. It was like reversed. And I was like, all right, we got to fix this. Then I got COVID for Christmas. So that knocked me out for a while. And so, you know, I got the, I got that, that happened. And then it really took me three to four weeks to kind of get back to where I really even wanted to like be productive, you know? So now I feel good again. I have for the most of this month, but this is February and every year in February, I kind of just, I I just don't want to do shit in February. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It just dawned on me the other day, every year in February, I, at some point I go, I still want to do it right. Any, whatever it is, it's anything. I just want to like go out to a bar, have some pops, watch a band, you know, whatever, relax, you know, spend some time with the kid, watch a movie, you know, grill and snow, whatever. Right. That's all I want to do in February. And it's such a shitty month to take off. It's the worst month of the year. Well here, I'm sure if you live somewhere where it doesn't, you know, have wicked cold weather, it's probably fine, but you know, it's cold where you are <laughs> and I, I take this off, you know, <laughs>
0: right. and I do snow removal. I'm crazy. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, and this has been the absolute worst. Like it's white gold. I call it white gold and I'm happy, but I've, we're at the end of this winter will be, I bet you 50% more times I've cleared snow wow. in five months than any other winter. I've done it.
1: So that's interesting. Cause I was, so I was watching some things going on in Ottawa on YouTube earlier. And, um, I noticed it was snow, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I bet you it snows in Canada a lot more than it snows here, you know? Because we're really New Hampshire gets a, it gets, you get a lot. We don't though. No, really, see, that's the weather divas telling you that, right? It's not true at all. <laughs> it's BS. Northern, oh shit, northern, uh, northern New Hampshire gets hammered, you know, way north. There's a line at like Concord, okay. South of Concord is like, to me, being a being, I, okay. If you look up Oswego, New York snow, you'll know where I'm from. And I'm from the place that trades off with Buffalo for snow accumulation every year.
0: Okay? Oh, well, who yeah. gets the
1: Worst amount, right? Like two, three years after I moved, my, my parents got nine feet in two days. Okay. They get snow and it's yep. a horrible place to live because of that. Other than that, it's actually not bad, but they get real snow here. We get meh, eight inches of snow. But they blow it out of purport. They're like, oh, my God, a nor'easter is coming. Everybody panic. And then we get eight inches of snow. And no one covers the fact that we only ended up with eight inches of snow when they were predicting like a foot and a half, right? And then, then it warms up. And everybody I talk to thinks we get this massive amount of snow, but we don't. We don't get – we've had this year, we had um, a storm that dropped like four inches, okay, and melted like a week later. And then we had a storm that dropped like almost a foot. OK. And, you know, we plowed it up or whatever. Then w- the week I had Corona, we got a little bit of snow, like a couple inches. And then uh, then we had like nothing for a while. And then we got like two inches of ice, which is real. Un- un- oh. It was that was yeah. weird. It was like almost snow, almost ice and accumulated like snow. But it was ice and you couldn't plow it like with anything but a real plow. Right. And I use Aaron's garden tractors to plow like old they're they're badass because they're wicked old and cast iron and whatever but like good luck so that's all we've gotten all year well, and that's we get like three storms that are eight inches and that's about it
0: see like out here a big storm 99 of the time is like four inches or less like we get dustings all the time like an inch you know what i mean and it's dry snow whereas growing up in nova scotia we'd get a foot you know or yeah. 18 inches but then it would warm up because of the coastal effect, right, and yep. it would all melt and turn. You, know, the ground barely, like mom and dad don't get any snow anymore until like January. They get yeah. January, February, they get hammered, and the rest of the year is above freezing. You know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's. And over here,
0: it's friggin' minus thirty.
1: Yeah, for the Ugh. winter. it See now, the cold bothers me just as much. Like I'm just getting to the point where I can't anymore. Ah, uh, like, it's
0: a wicked dry cold No, yeah. <laughs> It's a dry yeah, cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this yeah.
1: has been an easy winter for us, and I've bitched more. Because well, like I got Corona and I think through the month of January, I was just colder because of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and we did have a really cold January. Um, we had a wicked mild November and December though. And like, I was still doing winter prep, like the day that I really came down sick. Right. And that was like December 17th or something. Right. So, uh, I was still just trucking along doing outdoor work, no problem. Then January was super, super cold, and we got kind of a couple of weird storms that sucked that ice thing, and you know, whatever. Um, this month's been fine, it's gonna be like 60 on Wednesday. And we had a week
0: of t shirt weather, which for me is yeah. like what it would uh 34 degrees, you know, like just above, yeah, yeah just I understand above freezing. if you but, get,
1: yeah. I tell people all the time, I go like once you've acclimated in New England to the cold, and if you get 20 degrees no wind, you know, no real yep. wind. and sunny it's t-shirt weather. Yeah. And that's that like, yeah, and it's, but it's true. You know, you know, you could be outside working in that and you're fine. And actually if you put a winter hat and a hoodie on, you're sweating your ass off and if you're working, so that doesn't work out.
0: Hundred percent. Well, yeah, we've man. been an hour and a half, John. I should wrap her up here. <laughs> we could sit and shoot the shit all night. We, yeah. I, I, I. When I first met or no, when we had our first conversation, I said, uh, "You, you reminded me of. Um, I, you sounded like somebody should have been on AM radio, Monday <laughs> Mac, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking for the NFL. You know what I mean? Right. I love it. Yeah, I yeah, could talk I, to you all night.
1: It was a, it was a small. It wasn't my dream, but it was like something I did want to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's but, uh, all
1: right. It's just I grew up in Syracuse. There you go."
0: Well, I'll throw uh, I'll throw your links Well, oh, I've got them in the description. I'll throw yeah, your cool. YouTube as well. I just had your Dowie Farms one there. And yeah, it's fine.
1: Whatever. I'm yeah, not looking at you know. the whole that's yeah. I do the show and I'm just like I'm not I don't even know what I'm gonna pull out of this. It'll just be fun. I know.
0: Yeah, it's, well, I always enjoy it. You know, we'll have to have you back again sometime. Yeah, I just man, love listening ahead. to your hustle. You got some yeah, I love it. It's inspiring, you know?
1: Yeah, thank you. You no too. no problem.
0: Yeah, uh, we, I do my best, right? So yeah, we yeah, just yeah. get out there and kick ass and try to make money. Yeah. If if you want to hang on for just a second, I'll wrap up and then we can shut her down. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming, John. All right, guys. Well, we we went all over the place. I knew it would be a conversation, but that's kind of the best ones. I enjoy it. If you're not inspired, you know, if John didn't, uh, you know, kick your inspirational ass there just a little bit, I mean... You know, COVID threw everything for a loop and he put it on its head and he sold barrels and he, you know, did home delivery. And I mean, just look at the hustle, there's always ways to make money. So, I it was awesome. I appreciate having John on here. We'll have him back again. Uh, he's a, a big part of a bunch of different extended communities I'm in and just an awesome guy. So, uh, if you guys want to know where you can catch me this week, Tuesday night, six o'clock, fireside freedom, we're talking about. DIY projects, and proper time management, because that's important, trust me. Thursday night is Repairedness, 7 o'clock here and on Prepper Broadcast Network. And then Sunday night, I have James Walton, the CEO of the Prepper Broadcast Network, coming on, talking about his story, a bunch of different entrepreneurial ventures that he's into, and just kind of the journey of where he's taken this network and where it's going. Anyway, guys, it was an awesome episode. I tell you every week, but I absolutely appreciate the fact that you're willing to come and hang out with me for an hour, an hour and a half in the workshop because our time's valuable and you could go anywhere you want. So I appreciate it. Anyway, guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.